You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, buenos dias, greetings to everybody, good to have you with us this morning, welcome to the Metro Vision Studios, welcome to the Los Angeles International Church of Christ and Metro Regions, great to have you here this morning as we continue with our series on Stories Jesus Told, and I especially, I'm really excited about this one, of course every story Jesus told is pretty awesome, pretty exciting and a lot to learn from and a lot to change our lives and this one in particular is pretty power packed, even though it's just really a very tiny parable, but it has a lot in it. We're going to be reading out of Matthew 13. If you're following along with your paper Bible or your on your phone or whatever gadget you got going, uh, Matthew 13, and it's just only verse 44 through 46. And that's pretty much the, the parable that we're going to read today. It's basically the treasure and the pearl of great value. So let's, let's go ahead and go to God in prayer and then we're going to jump right on in. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Bible that guides us, that gives us direction, that gives us life, that gives us solutions, that gives us hope in all things that we face and all the challenges we face. Thank you, Father, for caring and taking the time to write it for us and give it to us and help us along. Help us, God, please, to have open hearts and open minds that we learn, that we absorb, that we allow your word to transform our minds and our hearts, God, so that we can become all that you have designed us to be. Do your will and and live the life that we were uh, gifted and given to live, God. Please bless our study now for the next few minutes as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So stories Jesus told, Matthew 13, verse 44. Um, we're going to jump right on in. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So this is this this parable, classic parable, and it's in the parable of of parables of the kingdom. And just as a reminder, you know, a parable is a physical story to help us understand a spiritual meaning. It's something that helps us to grasp things that are maybe a little difficult to grasp sometimes, especially if we're new to spiritual concepts and spiritual ideas. But, but they're simple stories that have very profound meanings. And this one, only two verses long, has, uh, has, it's, it's pretty power packed. So it's in that genre of kingdom stories and things about, parables about the kingdom to help us understand the kingdom. Kingdom is one of those words that everybody thinks they kind of know what it is until they have to sit down and define it and explain it. And it's, and, and the truth is a lot of people don't get it. A lot of people don't understand what the kingdom is. Even a lot of people in the church, even a lot of disciples, I would say, don't necessarily get it. Um, and, and, and one thing you might notice is, is it, in this parable, he says the kingdom of heaven, right? We're used to hearing the kingdom of God. And that's basically Matthew's gospel was written primarily to a Jewish audience. And Jews do not use the word God. They never use that word, or at least Orthodox Jews do not. I've even seen papers and, and I've read things written by Orthodox Jews and they'll have G slash D. They won't even say the word God. Though, even though God is, is not a name, it's, it's just, it's a noun. 
but they'll use the word Hashem, which means His name. And and the reason why is because in, in the Ten Commandments, we're commanded not to use the Lord's name in vain. So therefore, they don't they don't use they not only not use His name, but they don't even write the word God. They're they're extra cautious. So because of the sensitivity to that, Matthew wrote his gospel, and he'll highlight where Jesus said the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was very sensitive. Obviously, Jesus knew what the needs were and what the things were. Yet, you'll read in Luke, you'll always say the kingdom of God because it's a Jew, it's a Gentile audience, and we don't have an issue with that. But they did because of their concern about not breaking the law. They called God Hashem. So the kingdom of God, though, what is it? That's the thing that's, that confuses a lot of people. Honestly, I think even a lot of disciples of Jesus don't know exactly what the kingdom of God is. They think it's the church. It's not actually the church. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty, it says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's not about flesh and blood. It's not a physical place. It's not something physical. It's not heaven. A lot of people think it's heaven. Now, heaven is part of the kingdom of God, and so is the church part of the kingdom of God. But they are not equal to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is much more than that. Um, Jesus uh, says in Luke 9, 27, that some of them there will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Uh, it's not a physical place at all. In Luke 17, 21, he talks about the kingdom being within you. Okay, so it's not a place you go to. It's not a building. It's not, I mean, I know that there are certain religious sects that actually even call their church building kingdom halls, right? As though that were the kingdom. And that is, it's not a physical place. It's not a place you can go and visit. And it's also not a place that's easy to enter. Uh, Luke 18, 16 through 24, he talks about you have to be like a child to enter the kingdom. And that it's very hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. A very strong warning, I would say, especially for us, because on a global scale, most of us are pretty rich. We're pretty wealthy, if not all of us. You know, we live in homes, we live in safety, we live, have plenty of food, we have vehicles, we have transportation, we have clean water, we have, we have electricity, we have medical care, we have, we have things that only the rich of this world has. And he warned that for the rich, it's very difficult to enter the kingdom of God. So it's not just something we can take for granted for sure. It is a top priority, the kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew 6.33, a scripture that probably a lot of us memorized, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? That, that this, this is to be something that is a top priority in our life. And here's the irony is we don't talk a lot about the kingdom of God. And we don't really think a lot about the kingdom of God. But as, as far as Jesus was concerned, well, number one, he talked a lot about it, a whole lot. I mean, a lot of parables about the kingdom of God. And he was always trying to explain to us the kingdom of God to help us understand it. Because the truth is, it is challenging to understand. And, and probably one of the most important things was that we understand the priority of it. Seek first, not second, not third, not in your spare time, but first the kingdom of God. And we oftentimes just thought, oh, that meant go to church. That meant read your Bible. That's what it means. Yeah, it means that, but it means a whole lot more than that. There's a whole lot more to this than just going to church or going to a building or even just reading our Bible. It's more than that. Um, it is where God rules. Revelation 12, 2 talks about the establishment of, of God's reign in his kingdom on earth, right? And that, that, that's where he rules. It's probably one of the most simple definitions of the kingdom of God is it's wherever God's will is being done. So that could be your heart. 
that could be that hopefully is that church. I hope that that church, uh, it, it, it can be, um, where, where a group of disciples get together and they're living. A, it could be a singles household. It can be a, a family house, you know, that that's, that's a kingdom of God. You know, in, in, in foreign countries, like if you, I travel, I've traveled a lot around the world. If I go to the United States, like I just told the story of when we were visiting Lima, Peru, and when we stepped into that consulate, they didn't have an official embassy, so they had a consulate. That consulate or the embassy of any country is sovereign territory. So basically, when I would step onto the embassy in Mexico City, I was no longer in Mexico. I was in the United States, even though it was just one place, one building or one piece of property, it was sovereign to the United States. The Mexican government couldn't go there. The army couldn't go there. That was independent territory. In a lot of ways, that's what the church is, or that's what your singles household is. If, the, if you're living in the kingdom of God, it's, it's God's territory. It's where he reigns. It's where his law is. Um, it is where truth and love are lived out. You know, Matthew 10, he, he sends them out in verse seven through eight to go and heal and proclaim the kingdom of God. It's where truth is taught. It's where love reigns. It's where love is practiced. Um, it's where Jesus teachings are practiced in Matthew 5, 19 about the commands of God and Matthew 7, 21. He talks about those that are his or those that obey him. It's where, it's where his, where God's will is being carried out. Remember Jesus told us, to pray his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's the kingdom of God. That's, that's a quick snapshot, a quick view of the kingdom of God. Um, so he says, um, to love him with all your heart. This, this was one of the scenes in Jesus' ministry. Uh, the, uh, the question is asked, what is the most important law in the Bible? And the answer is to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifice. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Notice that he says, says you're not far from the kingdom of God. Why? Because, because of his understanding. Because he understood that the most important thing is love. It's more important than following the law. It's more important than all the rules and regulations. It's what the rules and regulations are all about. Is about love. And that is what the kingdom of God is. And so Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. So it's not obviously a geography. It's not a place. It's not a building. It's not a group of people. It's That's why you can't say... It's the church, even though you can say it's the church. That's what the church strives to be. The church is like the embassy, right? It's it's a territory that belongs to the kingdom of God. But obviously it depends on, is his will being done? Is love reigning? That's what makes it the kingdom of God. Not that we call ourselves the church of Christ or the church of God or the Christian church or the church of, of Jesus' people or whatever name. It's not the name. It's not the, it's not the title. It's what's happening in the heart. What's happening in the mind. Are we living in obedience to Jesus? Are we loving God and loving Jesus and loving each other? That's what makes us in the kingdom of God. Um, the way of the God, of God's kingdom. It's, it's love. It's mercy. It's truth. It's justice. It's faith. 
It's righteousness, doing things the right way. It's kindness. It's compassion. It's joy. And it's peace. I mean, how valuable are those things right now? How valuable are these things in the world? I mean, if you really stop and think about it, this is what everybody wants. Everybody wants it. Whether Christian or not, whether religious or not, whether spiritual or unspiritual, whether they're totally worldly or not. These are the things that really matter to people. Most of the time they don't know it, but it is what matters. They want to be in a loving relationship. They want people to be merciful with them. They want to know what the truth is. They want to be treated justly with justice. They want to believe in a great future and have faith. They want to do things the right way. They want to have the right kind of marriage and the right kind of family and the right kind of life and the right kind of friendships and the right kind of car and the right kind of house and they want people to treat them with kindness. They want to have, they want to be treated with compassion when they mess up. Everybody wants to be joyful, to be happy and to be at peace no matter what happens in this world. How much would people pay for these things? I mean, if, if you could just go to the store and buy these things, everybody would be lined up to buy them. This is more valuable than waiting for the new iPhone to come out or, or waiting for, for the new car to come out or, or this is just way more than that. And, and that's, these are the things that are the kingdom of God and what it's about. In Romans 14, 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. You see, the issue was that in Rome, because there was a conflict between the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians, the Jewish Christians were judging the Gentile Christians for eating the meat that was sacrificed to idols, for eating pork that's forbidden by the law, for, for not following the, the traditions of, of the Jews, for not following the traditions of the Old Testament. And, and then, of course, the Gentiles were looking down on the Jews saying, you guys don't understand what freedom in Christ is. You guys are spiritually behind and, and you're the weak ones. And people are pointing at each other and accusing each other and, 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 and just generally not loving one another. And to this, Paul addresses and, and, and he says, look, this is not what the kingdom of God is about. Now, I mean, obviously, if you stop and think about it, that's a lot of what's going on today. Well, I think this and I think that and I think this and to me this and to me that and everybody's got opinions about the way the politics should be, the way the world should be, the way the society should be, how we should deal with racism, how we should deal with homelessness, how we should deal with, with gender issues. And every, it's almost like a room where everybody's shouting their opinions. And what Paul steps into this kind of a scene at, in Rome and tells him, look, it's not about eating and drink. It's not about what you eat. It's not about drink. It's not about the rules. It's not about what you think is right or what she thinks is right or what he thinks is right. It's, but it's about, it's about real righteousness, doing the right thing with peace and joy. What is right lines up with peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 4.20, he makes it even clearer. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Power. Something that is way more intense, way more valuable than all this stuff we talk about and stuff we worry about. The power to overcome hatred. The power to reconcile. The power to forgive each other. The power to be set free of any kind of addiction. The power to love, even in the face of hurt and damage. The power to 
walk with God and, and, and be free of all the junk in the world. The power to be transformed and changed. And, and, and no matter how traumatized or hurt, the power to be healed from all the stuff we've been through in this world. That's what the kingdom of God is about. And that is way more valuable than the stuff the world frets and worries and fights and struggles and is anxious about. It is a whole different life in the kingdom of God. Kingdom life, and it's not in the future, it's now. I remind you, this is a slide I used in a sermon a long time ago. A life of love, not hate. Of grace, not punishment. Of mercy, not judgment. Of service, not slavery. Of justice, not oppression. Of faith, not free. It's a life where our hearts hunger for what's right and good. And, and, and we disdain what is evil and what is sinful. Not just trying to white knuckle goodness and be, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be kinder. I'm going to stop cussing. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to be hateful. I'm not. No, that's, that's all important, but that will wear you out and you won't make it. It's a life sowing to God and the spirit of God. That's his kingdom where we are filled with love and grace and mercy and service and, and justice, where we have the fruits of the spirit, where they are shown Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, where we're filled by God. He changes our hearts. He gives us the love. He gives us the righteousness. He gives us the faith. It's walking with God and being in his kingdom where that comes from. In Colossians 1, verse 9, starting in verse 9, it says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that this that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Did you catch that? In the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. When we become Christians, he grabs a hold of us and he pulls us in. He pulls us in to his kingdom. And we have to understand that and and appreciate the value of that. But I'll tell you the truth. Most people don't get it. Most people don't understand it. They don't. They don't know what the, the kingdom of God is. Jesus refers to the secrets of the kingdom. These are the secrets of the kingdom. How valuable it is. How great it is. The difference it can make in your life. How it can bless your, 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 your marriage, your, your, your relationships with your roommates, your kids, your relationship with your children, your, your life. It can totally change. It's, but it's a hidden treasure. It's not a treasure out in the obvious, not out in the open that everybody sees. And, and in fact, most people don't get it at all. They, they think it's having the right things. They think it's being in the right group. 
uh, it's being in the right whatever church or the right region or the right sector or the right Bible talk. It's agreeing, having people agree with their priorities or being surrounded by people that think like me and, and do what I think and, or, or, or just plain old having things their way. They think that's the answer. The answer is the kingdom of God. The answer is the kingdom of God. And this is why so many people, first of all, they don't make it because they don't see the value of the kingdom or they make it, but they lose sight of it. And they leave because they think that kingdom is just a church, just a group of people. I don't agree with this leader. I don't agree with that leader. Or I don't agree with this ministry. And I don't agree with that person. So I'm going to go do my own thing. Or even worse, I just don't want to do it at all anymore. And it's tragic. Because they were so close. They were right there. But it is a hidden treasure. It's not obvious. It's the first part of Jesus' parable. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden, like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now the funny thing about this parable is, is, is you could say, hey, is that really, is that really right? That the, the, why didn't the guy just go tell the owner of the field? And it kind of shows Jesus, sometimes Jesus pokes at our nature, right? And, and it's the guy realized this is so valuable. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go buy that field. And I'm going to keep this treasure because I'm not giving it up. Nobody's taking this away from me. I found it. It's mine. And I'm hanging on to it. And there's some things that you don't want to let go. There's some things you don't want to slip away from. And the kingdom of God That's what Jesus is saying is one of those things. It's worth everything you've got to be part of this, to be part of what God is doing in our world. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. You know, he uses the analogy of a treasure. I, when I think of treasure, I think of this. I think of this scene of, of all this gold and jewels and rubies and diamonds and different things. And I've been a Christian 38 years and I'm constantly finding new things. I'm constantly learning new things. And I find a, a ruby. I find an emerald. I find a diamond. I find a, a, a gold coin. And, and it's just, I'm constantly discovering these new things of God. What are those things? Those things are my life. Those things are my marriage. Those things are my friendships. Those things are my kids. Those things are my future that God is constantly showing me. And there's nothing worth more than that. There is nothing I would give up for that. Because it is the most valuable thing. What is that treasure? It's having a clear conscience. Man, I remember going to bed guilty. I remember waking up feeling horrible about what I did before. I remember thank you, having to thank God that I just survived the night. That I didn't get killed. I've been shot at, stabbed at, chased, run over. I've had, I've had people come after me. I've had bullets go by my head so close. I could literally, I hear them go zip, right by my head. I've been chased by gangs. I've been beat up by different groups. And then I'd, and, and, and I'd wake up, just thank God that I'm alive on Saturday morning or on Sunday morning and then go to church and act like I'm all holy. I become a Christian and I sleep like a baby and I wake up secure and no, and guilt free. I mean, how valuable is that? I've been doing it so long. I don't even remember. I have to, when I sitting down talking to somebody, I remember how guilty I felt all the time. The hope, in all circumstances that we have. 
that no matter what happens, God is working on our behalf. And God is trying to help us. No matter what evil happens in this world or what evil Satan throws at us or what problems fall on us, we've always got God's hand to grab onto. So many times God has rescued me. How about you? We have amazing friendships, incredible friendships. I, I spoke last week uh, in, in San Diego and I got up and I just looked at the audience and I got all choked up. And I started thinking about uh, all the faces I've known for years and the people I studied the Bible with and the, the people that are my close friends. That's the kingdom of God. And in just such a short time, even in the pandemic, we can't hang out physically. I have so many great friends here. I mean, Michelle and I love the Webbers and the Keinas so much. And we love hanging out with the Keys. And we don't even get to physically hang out. I got Turnwall, my buddy, that we get to go to the movies and hang out and do stuff. I got all these incredible friendships that I know no matter what happens in my future, no matter where God sends Michelle and I in the future, we're always going to have great friends here. Like we always have great friends in San Diego. We always have great friends in Jersey because God has bonded our hearts. How many people in the world would love to have those kind of friendships? The brotherhood, the sisterhood that we are part of, where we, 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 we have the same language, we say the same words, we're always using the word awesome, and we always, you know, we, we use the word disciple, and I mean, we have our own language, our own culture, you know? I mean, it's like the person that says, yeah, I had a QT with my DP, and you know, and it's like, whoa, we got a whole, our own language here going. The peace, the shalom that we have, and just being able to go to God when we're stressed out, when we're anxious, when we're afraid, when we're hurting, when we're down, when we're, as we always say, as scared. The security we have in that, the confidence that we have in God, that we can turn to him. The joy of being, the joy of being. What is that? Being a great son, being a great daughter to the Lord, being a great spouse, being a great father. I don't mean perfect. Nobody's perfect. But striving, being a great brother, being a great sister, being a great friend to somebody, being free of addictions, being rich in grace and mercy. I mean, how valuable is that? What a treasure. And I'll tell you, most people don't see it. And they don't get it until their deathbed, till they're lying there dying, and they're full of regrets. I saw this documentary on dying. And the man was talking about, he said, the real issue is not whether you die. The issue is how do you die? Do you die well or you do you die miserably? He said, most people die miserably because they're full of regret. And they're sorry about things they did and relationships they didn't fix. It's apologies they never gave. They do things that they should have done. And, and they should have corrected and they should have apologized. They should have been, they should have had a great relationship with this kid or that person or this family member. And they don't die well. The Christians, disciples, we have that hope to die well with a smile on our face because we know the treasure. And we go on, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This one is very similar to the first one. Searching though, the first one wasn't searching. This one he's searching. He finds it and he can see it. And he's like, aha, that's it. 
That's the one. And everybody knew back then, even back then, that pearls are valuable. Pearls are expensive. They're naturally made. You can't make a pearl. Well, now they got ways to grow them, but they're fake. The real ones, they cost the big bucks. And he found one of great value. So he sold everything he had to buy that pearl. They're a beautiful thing made by God. A beautiful thing made by God. We have many beautiful things made by God. In fact, the things of God are the things that last. Nobody dying wishes they had a better car or a bigger house or more money or looked better or nicer clothes or more money in the bank. Nobody. They don't care. Because when you're dying, you see clearly what's important. And what's important are the things that are in the kingdom of God. Those are the things that are really important. Those are the things that really matter. And there's two types of discovery on this. You got the guy who just accidentally ran into a treasure in a field. And you got the merchant who was searching. And that's us. Sometimes we're, we, we, we just stumble on the things of the kingdom. Some of us stumbled into the church. We, somebody met us. Somebody reached out to us. Somebody's pulled us in. Others of us were seeking. We were hungry. We were asking God and God sent somebody, but we sought him out. And so for us, it was a response. And the thing about both of, both of them is to be able to recognize the treasure, you have to be, have a level of spirituality, even a basic level of spirituality, where you recognize what love is, where you recognize you feel the truth in it, and you respond to that. And people who are unspiritual, they don't see it, they don't get it. They don't understand it. To the unspiritual, always seeing but never perceiving, always hearing but never understanding. But the spiritual get it. The spiritual people. And you know, right now, our church is being very tested as a fellowship. We are right now in the world of opinions. And everybody's opinion matters. And everybody's opinion is pulling them this way and that way and this way and that way and this way. But the spiritual person does not allow themselves to be pulled by those. The spiritual person is being pulled by the Holy Spirit, is being guided by the Holy Spirit. And though, despite they'll feel the same things everyone else feels, but they will sow to the Spirit because the Spirit and the flesh are at war. And they will sow to the Spirit, which is love and peace and joy and kindness and self control and brings unity about. But the Spirit of the world. The world pulls us away and we don't recognize the treasure of the kingdom. We don't recognize how awesome it is to be part of a group of people who love God and love each other. Far from perfect. Far from perfect. But are striving for that perfection. Striving for maturity in the Lord. Striving to love one another, to serve each other, to give one another. Not being pulled out by opinions by views, by attitudes, by thoughts. In Philippians, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What do you think about? What do we think about? I had to stop watching the news. 
because it's filling my head with garbage. It's filling my head with anger and angst and worry and anxiety and frustration. Say, okay, no more. I'll I'll pick and choose on my phone what I want to read about or learn about. But I'm not going to listen to all that garbage. And I'm not going to listen to political analysts or social commentators or any of this because they're not disciples and they're not, and they're not trying to make me spiritual. They're trying to make me worry like them and fear like them. We sow to the Spirit and we will reap fruit from the Spirit. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If any of these things is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That's the kingdom of God. That's what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's what it means to sow in the kingdom of God. That's why it's so valuable. It's to rise above the junk of the world. And again, we are being tested right now. And lastly, in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul writes, Therefore, we do not lose heart. And there's a lot of problems, a lot of challenges. Let me tell you, the church in court had a lot of problems. He says, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Day by day. How does that happen? When we're reading, we're praying, and we're trying to walk with God, and we're thinking about God. And we're considering his ways. And we're praying throughout the day. And we are truly spiritual. Meaning that we're letting the spirit lead us and guide us in our minds and in our hearts. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Things that we face in this world, they give us nothing. If anything, they should challenge us and maybe push us to get on our knees more. To pray a little harder. To dig a little deeper. Remember what dig stands for? Deeper in God. To dig down in our face. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, it's going to pass. But what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen is the kingdom of God. Do you see it? Is it in you? Do you value it? Do we sow to it? Are we enjoying life in the kingdom? We should be. Yeah, but there's a lot of bad junk out there. All the more reason. All the more reason. This should be the church's finest hour when there's so much garbage out there. And that garbage is coming in our windows and coming in our doors. And we got to keep it out. We got to sweep it out. We got to get rid of it and keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eyes on Jesus. So to the kingdom of God. We are kingdom people. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God to praise him and tell the world how awesome he is. We are the kingdom people, the kingdom 
village. And therefore, this junk can't touch us, can't ruin us. I'm going to close out with this story. It's a classic old story. Dad gave his son on graduation day an old car that had been in the family for many, many years. It was in the back of the house, covered with a car cover. And he gave it to his son. And he told his son, do whatever you want with this car. If you want, go trade it in. You can get a car that you really want to have. It's a 1959 Etzel. 1959. Probably one of the ugliest cars ever built. Sitting in the back, all worn out. So the son was all excited, and the car still ran. He drove the car down to a used car lot. He wanted to trade it in. They laughed at him. They laughed at him. He came back, told his dad, they laughed at me. They offered me a hundred bucks for it. The dad said, you went to the wrong place. He said, go down to the classic, classic automotive building and ask them what they would offer for you for it. So he jumped in his car and drove down to the classic automotive building. They wrote him a check for $100,000. It's probably worth a lot more than that. But it was a very rare car you don't see around, and it was valuable. You see, the problem was the first guys, they didn't get it. They didn't understand the value of it. The people at the classic automotive store, they got it. They saw the value. They knew this car is special. There's something unique and something special about this car. It's uncommon. They saw the value. The parable of of the hidden treasure and the parable of the great pearl is to understand the value of God's kingdom. The value of what he has given us. Do you see it? Do you get it? Hang on to it and let nothing and no one ever take that away from you. Do not let Satan take that away from you. God bless you. Buen camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 